Paul prays prayer to the Ephesian church that he says, I pray that uh, the Father would give you this spirit, his spirit of wisdom and revelation. And that's where I want to start again today. We're going to bounce into chapter 2. We're in chapter 2, and we're going to look at 10 verses today in chapter 2. But it's all about wisdom and revelation again, my friends. Because this isn't just a dry book. When the Holy Spirit does something in our hearts that enlightens them, and gives us wisdom and revelation, this book becomes alive in our hearts. And that's where we change. It's no good just reading it without asking Holy Spirit to make them living and active. The Bible itself talks about itself saying it is sharper than a sword. It's, it's living, it's active. So that's what I pray for us, dear friends, that he would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation today. You know, in, in 1 Corinthians, Paul also writes, we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, listen to this, that we may understand what God has already freely given us. So if you remember last week, Andrew said, so often we can chase after things, but actually I believe what God wants to do more and more and more is give us this enlightened heart that we see what Christ has already given to us. That you, my friend, as a son or daughter of God, you have an inheritance that words cannot simply describe and it will never ever be taken from you. You have received every spiritual blessing. I wonder what that word every means. Let's look at the original Greek for the word every. It probably means every. Every spiritual blessing. My goodness me. So we're going to go. Ephesians 2. We're going to look at 10 verses. Verse 1 to 10. If you don't have a Bible with you, don't worry. Bang, look. Boom. That's that deep magic that Aslan was talking about. As soon as you say it, it's on the screen. Okay, here we go. Let's read it together. I'm going to read with you. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived. Flip. In the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. That's a bold statement. Like the rest of mankind, but God. This is just two of the most brilliant words in the Bible. God is the most brilliant word. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, made us alive. Even when we were dead, in our trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And he's also raised us up with him and seated us with Jesus in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. I need you to understand this, Paul's saying. This is not of your good works. It is the gift of God not a result of works, so that none of us can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. And this is how he finishes this little section, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay, what I'd like to do is just, we're going to 
unpack some of these verses a little bit and I'm going to pull out three things for us today. So if you're making notes, the first thing I really want us to see is this, we've been made alive. If you're taking a title, it's simply made alive. We've been made alive, raised to new life. I want us to see and grasp the stark contrast here. And I'm looking at many of your faces right now. And I know that you can, we can almost slip into the danger of going, we've heard this before. We, we've, we've heard this stuff before. But this is where what I started with, this spirit of wisdom and revelation that illuminates our hearts again. We were once dead, hopeless and helpless without Christ. That, that was you, my friend. We were once dead, hopeless and helpless without Christ. But now... We've been made alive. An act of regeneration has taken place. In in the Bible, this is what it means. Renewal, rebirth. You've heard the term born again. This is what Jesus uses. We call it regeneration. It's where a heart that was once dead is resurrected to a brand new life. So this isn't just a better you, my friends. This isn't just an upgrade This is a completely new model. This is what Paul's saying. This is is the reality of being born again, renewal. You're not just a different Liz. You're a completely brand new Liz. So you're not just a different you. You're utterly other than the once you you used to be. And there can be this unhelpful thought out there. Do you know, God helps those that help themselves. That is in our society. It's stoic. God helps those that help themselves. No, he doesn't. He helps the helpless. That's what regeneration means. He didn't help me when I helped myself. He helped me when I was in utter despair. And I didn't even know about it. You know, God helps those that help themselves. This couldn't be further from the truth. This couldn't be further from what the gospel actually presents to us. Because it's the complete opposite. God helps the helpless. You know, he doesn't respond to our initiative. He didn't respond to my good behavior, my good works. He doesn't respond to our efforts. God steps into our lives and rescues us exactly where we are. He steps into our lives. We don't walk towards him. And it's all his initiative. Let me illustrate how this works right now in the, the day we live in. My friend, Alward, many of you know Alward, him and his dear wife, Rosie, and their beautiful family have moved to the Philippines to express the kingdom of God out there. They're doing incredible works. We're in regular contact because they're dear friends of ours. He texted me the other day. He's got this, those that know Alward, he basically doors open up all over the place for this family. He had the opportunity to, one of his passions is basketball. So he goes into this maximum security prison in the Philippines where the average uh, uh, sentence is 22 years and most people are on uh, death row. So he's playing basketball with these guys. Imagine how t- intimidating that would be. Probably not for Woody though. So he's playing basketball with them. Then he, then he preaches the gospel. He tells these dear guys, some are lifers, some are on death row, about Jesus. 47 of them give their lives to Jesus there and then. It's incredible. 
want to illustrate the point. It was God's initiative. These lifers were in there for a reason. And then he said, he felt the Holy Spirit say, there's 15 more guys at the back there. They're still trapped in their shame and sin. I want you to tell them again about me. And he did. And all 15 gave their lives to Jesus. They had 10 witch doctors turn up at their Christmas service. All 10 gave their lives to Jesus. This is what God is doing, my friends. It's not about looking for those that are behaving well. Mm, You're good people. I'll rescue you. No, God came for sinners. That's what I love about our Jesus. Do you know, the Pharisees in the day said, this man eats with sinners and welcomes them. Yeah, that's my Jesus. That's what regeneration looks like. It happens in a millisecond, and it's all the initiation of God. Someone wrote this. Regeneration is an act of God alone where he renews a human heart, making it alive when it was dead. Regeneration is the immediate supernatural work of God by the Holy Spirit. So first point, you've been made alive in Christ. Before this took place, you know, we were following a completely different pattern of living. And it says this in the scriptures, a different framework of life. And this way of living was actually leading every single one of us to a dead end. We think we're really living and it's like, oh no, it's a cul-de-sac and it's full of death. Sorry, cul-de-sacs aren't, but this way of living was. And the thing is, we were totally blind to it. I was utterly blind to it. I was going on my merry way, thinking I knew about life, thinking I knew what I knew best. But then God broke in and realized, man, I was going, I was leading myself into a dead end. Our lives were denying God. They were rejecting God. We were living in a completely new way. The fact is we were walking in the opposite direction. I love this phrase here. It says, we followed the ways of this world And we were living under a different ruling influence. And the phrase is, the prince of the power of the air. This isn't just some weird force. This is the enemy of God. This is the devil. There is an enemy of God and he was blinding. It says in Corinthians as well, the, 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 the God of this age is blinding the minds of unbelievers. So we can't even see the glory of Christ. And we were all following this pattern. Verse 3 says, by nature, we were, by nature, children of wrath. Man, that's a statement over your life, isn't it? By nature, the whole of humanity were considered children of anger, children of wrath, children of judgment. What does this mean? Well, we were born under a curse, friends. We were born under sin. Our first father, Adam, sinned, and it was like a domino effect that affected every human heart since. And all of humanity came into the world, born under this curse called children of wrath. That's the weight of it. And this is how blind we are. We're spiritually cut off. We're separated from God, spiritually cut off from him for all eternity. And then this happens. And then we say these two words. Verse 4, but God. Then he acted. And I'm majoring the point because I want you to see that we were born under a curse and then God acted. And it says being rich in mercy 
This is verse 4. I just want to read these verses over us. Listen to this. Being rich in mercy. Maybe close your eyes so you can focus. Because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when you were dead in your trespasses, he made you alive together with Jesus. By grace you've been saved. We've been made alive and raised up. We're made alive, my friends. We've made alive. I don't know what that does in your heart, but sometimes I wake up looking myself in the mirror going, man, I'm alive. And I don't mean I'm just breathing. You know, some of you are like, well, this isn't rocket science, pal. I don't mean just breathing. I don't mean just existing. I mean, boy, I'm connected to this Father in heaven. I'm alive. You're alive. I want you to nudge your neighbor, because some of you don't look alive. <laughs> Genuinely, are, are there paramedics in the house? I don't know. You're alive. If I didn't say anything else, but just kept looking at you going, you're alive, bro. You're alive, my dear sister. If you're in Christ, you're alive. And nothing will ever, ever, ever change that. And this is a gift called grace. This is what we hear. We see this word grace here. And many of us know this. We're part of New Frontiers. It's a grace movement. We so easily forget this. By grace, I've been saved. By grace. Unearned, unmerited, undeserved, unwarranted gift. Man, I was a cocaine addict and I was given this gift called grace where he poured into my world, grabbed hold of me and said, man, my love trumps all of your junk. Bang. And pulled me out of it. And that's what he can do for you, my friend, right here, right now. Verse 8 and 9, it says, for by grace you've been saved through faith and this is not of your own doing. This is important we see this. It is a gift from God, not the result of work so that no one can boast. This has to humble us, doesn't it? Come on, talk to me. This has to humble us. This has to fight against pride within our own hearts and lives. I'm looking at all of you right now. And you know what? We're all equal. There's none more important than the other here. We're all on a line. And we all find ourselves living under this framework of humanity and this great God breaks into our worlds by this gift called grace and he says, I'll have you, I'll have you, I'll have you, I'll have you, I'll have you. So, so this humbles me to my knees. It humbles my heart because I realize, man, I can't boast. I can't look at you, Gary, and say, hey, Gary, look how good we've been, bro. We've worked our way into this grace gig. No, say, no, no, I want you to understand, Paul, say, no, no. None of you can say this because it's a gift given to you. Man, God has not regenerated our hearts because we are good enough. He's done it because he passionately adores you. He has regenerated your heart because he loves you, because of, like it says here, his great love. <laughs> not Sylvia for you, he's... He's mediocre love. 
Oh no, my dear sister, he's great love for you. He's great love for you. He's great love for us. And it's a gift from God. And do you know what? We receive this whole thing, it says here, by faith. Do you know what that isn't? Just holding on. I wonder whether this will work out. No, faith is a spiritual thing that happens in our hearts. The first time, or maybe not the first time, but when I heard the gospel, something in my heart flipped. And my eyes were open. My heart was open. I was like, this is true. And by faith, that means I'm grabbing hold of it, saying, Jesus did die for me. He did rise again for me. He did go back to the Father. He has sent his, he, he has chosen me. He died for me and he loves me. That's, that's faith. And somehow this whole gift is given to you when your eyes of faith go, I want it. I'm having it. I, I saw something on Facebook the other day and it said, your story in six words. Some of you might have seen that as well. Your story in six words. And I want you to think of your story right now in six words. This is my story in six words. Forgotten, confused, angry, lost, found, loved. What's your story? Think about it just for a moment. My dear friend, some of you are here, you don't know Jesus. And your story is lost, hurt, wounded, suffering, confused, angry, possibly. Or some, joyful, peaceful, I don't know. What's your story? That was my story. But it went from complete abandonment to, boy, I'm loved. Right now, just let's have a moment of application. Just humor me. Close your eyes for a minute. Holy Spirit, I just ask you to illuminate this reality in our lives. That we would see what you've done for us. We were hopeless and helpless, but because of your great love, you've made us alive. You've raised us up to resurrected new life. Not simply to be a better us, but a completely new us. A new me. My friends, I feel like saying this to you. God wants you to see the, the you that he's created you to be. So I pray, Holy Spirit, would you reveal this afresh to us in Jesus' name. So that's the first thing. The second thing is not only have we been raised, but we're now seated. Seated with Christ, seated and secure. Jesus died, he rose again, and he's now seated. The scripture says he's ascended to the right-hand side of the Father. As tells us that in Ephesians 1. This means his mission on earth was successful I love the fact, there's no doubt, we're not holding on to see how this pans out. He took the full curse, this curse of being children of wrath on his shoulders. He took the full weight of my sin, our sin, the full curse of humanity's junk. He took it on his shoulders and it was pinned to him to the cross. When he died, it died with him. And when he rose, we rose with him. And when he ascended, we ascended somehow with him. And when he is sat at the right hand of the Father, the scripture says, that's exactly where we are. He, he raised us up, it says. Raised us up and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Some, some of you might need convincing about this. Because I, 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 sometimes you have this, this dialogue, this debate. Is this really true? This is exactly what it says. 
raised us up and seated us with him in heavenly places. You see, Holy Spirit brought resurrection power to the Son, which brought him to new life. It was the Holy Spirit that did this. Because Romans tells us the same Spirit that raised Christ from death now dwells within us. So that's the reality. That's the framework we live under. So where Jesus is, is where you are also. I know it's a mystery because kind of Bonnie and Trev, you're here, but actually your true home is in heavenly places. Because that's where scripture teaches is where you're seated right now. You're sat down here physically, but your eternal position, and it started right now, is seated with Christ in heavenly places. Just want you to think about that for a moment. You're not just seated anywhere. You're seated in heavenly places. We're right now connected and seated with Jesus. So what is true of Jesus is true for you. So when Jesus is sat in full and total and and uncompromised victory, that's exactly where you're sat right now, my friend. I know in this world we will have trouble, but the reality is the truth that trumps that is, if you're in Christ, you are in victory. You live in victory. You can move, you can function, you can live out your life from victory, not trying to gain victory. Now, seated with Christ means wonderful position, doesn't it? Wonderful privilege, I should say. A secure position because the Bible also says we're never going to be taken away from him. And and it, it kind of exaggerates for us because it says you've actually been grafted into Christ or baptized into him. So you can't be separated from Jesus. So there's a secure position there and an incredible authority. You know, this, this word seated, the literal meaning for this word means to place and appoint into authority and to remain somewhere permanently. I love that. So it's not just Steve just sat there for a while, oh, I've got to move up because someone else is coming in. Oh, now I'm standing, I'm moving. And this word means to place and appoint you into a permanent position. That's what the word means, in authority. So we are seated with Jesus in heavenly places, friends. We've been appointed and placed there in authority permanently. Permanently. And Paul helps us with this, the Apostle Paul, because elsewhere in his writings... I'm paraphrasing here a little bit, bear with me. I can imagine him saying, listen, guys, I'll I'll help you understand this a bit more. I'll, I'll help this become a practice and a reality for us. Because he says in Colossians, this is how you can live in this reality. He says, since then you've been raised. Since you've been raised with Jesus, set your hearts and minds on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your minds and things above. Not on earthly things, because he says, you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So Paul, the same guy that wrote Ephesians, writes this segment to say, do you know what? If you struggle with this, if you struggle with the reality of actually, how, how, how is that possible? He, he fights into this mystery to say, this is how you can make it possible. This is how you can, how you can make it a lifestyle. Set your mind and your heart on things above. I don't mean the clouds, I mean where Christ is seated. And you can set your mind there because that is actually where you're seated. So I want to pray again right now 
Holy Spirit, that you would help us. So right now, why don't you say, Holy Spirit, would you help me set my heart and my mind in my true home? Do you know that this is the true, this is your true home. You know, during the worship, I was saying to Janelle and Joe, just wonderful sense of God's presence. Do you know why we feel that? Because our hearts go, this is my true home. Somehow our hearts go, this is where we're meant to be. This is where we're meant to be. And then we come out of that place for a moment and we we desperately try to find it again because our hearts are redeemed and they're born again and they've been revived and they're trying to connect with their true home. So Holy Spirit, right now, I pray that you would help us. You'd make this a lifestyle for us that every morning, every evening, during the day, you'd remind us, I want to set my heart and mind on my true home, seated with my Savior, next to my dad in heavenly places. We're going to finish with this last thought. So we've been raised to new life. We've been seated with Jesus in heavenly places. Can it get any better? just keeps getting better being seated doesn't mean that we are stationary or static this sense of being seated means it's just where we live from so in this last little section i want you to know that you've been created to work and walk like jesus this is kind of a life message for me so some of you might go man this is pretty familiar this is what you always say san sorry it's kind of this is what i'm passionate about We've been created and commissioned to look like Jesus. Little old me and wonderful you. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. I want you to hear that again. You are his workmanship The shape you are, the personality you are, the the sum total of who you are, Seth. He made you to be you. There's no one else like you on the planet. And I thank God for that. But he's created you for his purposes. I feel to say that to you right now. I caught your eye. But I feel like you need to hear this today. He's made you to be you. No more apologizing for being you. There's no other Sarah Burgess on the planet. Thank Jesus. You bring something that no one else in this family brings. I just pray, Holy Spirit, would you, would you illuminate on, on all of our hearts? And that's the reality. If I've spoken over my sister there, that, that is true of all of us. There's no other John, no other Davina. There's no other you on the planet. Because we've been made for his workmanship, for good works. You know, Christianity... Although it's difficult, life is difficult, Christianity itself is pretty simplistic. Let me tell you what it is. Just abide in Jesus. I'll say it slower. Just stay with Jesus. Just just stay close to him because the goal is that we look like him. The goal is that we love like him. The goal is that wherever we go, wherever we show up in our communities, when people encounter you, Fred, they say, Man, I feel like I've met Jesus in some way. They might not say that, but something in their hearts go, man, I've never known love like that. Unconditional. So, so the, the whole purpose is when people encounter you, friend, 
somehow they're encountering the love of the Savior whose spirit lives within you. (laughs) We take on the very nature of Jesus because we're seated in him. So we're now able to live and love like he does. We can walk the planet like he did. We can walk into our communities, not judging them, but somehow stooping down to be with them. Somehow walking with the the prostitutes, the drug addicts, the the ones broken, the ones marginalized, the ones that society want to say no more of you, we somehow go, man, I want to come and love you. I want to come and love life into you because I've got love in me. So the goal is that we abide in him and that's the actual place we live from. We live from the position of being seated with him. We live from Jesus. Listen to this. We live from Jesus. We're not trying to get to him. Because that's been done. So many Christians still trying to work for their salvation. When it says work out your salvation, it doesn't say work for. We live from Jesus. We're not trying to get to him. We live seated with him. So we're so connected to Jesus that when the Father sees us, he sees Jesus. We're so one with him. I want you to know that you are so one with Jesus. And the love that the Father has for Jesus, he has for you. Think about that for a minute. Because you don't love yourself a lot of the time, if you're honest. But the love the Father has for you burns within his heart. Because it's the same love he has for his son. And now you're his son or daughter. Think about that for a moment. You know, this is releasing because it means we can now live from a place of rest. We don't have to strive and strain. We can live and operate from the place of rest because we're secure in his love. We're not trying to gain his love. We, we don't need to strive and perform. We don't need to get all driven and stressed out any longer. We're not living to please him. Because he's pleased with you. Because of Christ. I want to say this as well because I can fall into this category. We don't need to help and love people because somehow it fulfills a broken need in our lives. Do you understand what I mean? You don't need to love people because somehow you get identity through that. You just get to love people. Because your identity is in him. Man, I know what this is like. So often I want to do something, so someone goes, well done, San. Oh, thank you. Did you notice? Did you notice how, how, how caring I was? Thank you. Oh, that need is fulfilled. You don't need that need any longer to be fulfilled. You get to love because you are so full of his love. Friends, we're seated in Jesus. We're seated in Jesus. Can I just invite the band back up for the sake of time? I've done what only I do best, go over. Too much to say. I've got so much more to say, more than you can now bear. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he'll lead you into all truth. It's meant to be a joke. You guys are a tough crowd. I love you so much though. Genuinely do. You know, you look out and you realize... You see so many faces that I've journeyed with for 15 years now. And man, we've changed, haven't we? Haven't we? Haven't we been taken from glory to glory? You know, 
God's just changing us to be more like him. He's filling us up with his love so wherever we go, we can just spill his love out wherever we go. Kev, if you don't mind just padding something in the background, I pretend to know what I'm talking about. The Bible teaches us that heaven is the place where God lives. It's not something I'm making up. Heaven is a place where God reigns, where he, he's, his home is, where he abides. It's a place where Jesus is sat at the right hand and we are now seated in him in heavenly places. This isn't some wacky theology. This is where we are. This is where he is. Heaven is a real place. One day heaven and earth will be reconnected and will rule on a new earth recreated as real humans eternally alive. I can't wait for that day. But at the moment, heaven is crashing in on earth because there's these little bits of our inheritance that God just flashes in onto the earth right now. So if heaven is the place where God lives, and scripture also says in Philippians that we are now citizens of this heaven, this is the goal. Wherever we go, heaven shows up. I want you to think about this. You don't have to say 17 prayers to try and connect to a deity that doesn't know you. All you do is you walk into a room and you say, hey, Father, where I go, you go. Where I go, your heaven goes. Where I come, peace has to come in. Anxiety has to be pushed out. Fear has to bow its knee. Healing, I I, I usher healing into this room. I want you to understand that we are citizens of this heaven. So the whole goal is that we go into our communities. We go into our families, our schools. We, we turn up at the shops. We, we, we go into our towns and cities and communities. And this is it, friends. We just show up. And sometimes it comes out of our mouth. And other times it comes because we're just holding someone who's broken. We're feeding someone that's hungry. We're loving someone that has been lonely all their lives. That's what it means when heaven shows up. Sometimes supernatural things break out. People get spontaneously healed. Wonderful. But you know what I long for more than anything? Is that society feels loved. As you feel loved. That we bring, we usher in the love, the rule, the light, the reign of Christ. Wherever we go. Friends, I want you to know you're so loved. He loves you with an everlasting love. Will you stand with me? Rather than, than singing, sorry I've pulled you guys all back up here, but Kev's just going to continue to, to play. I just feel the, the children will come in in a, in a moment. Um, if you've got children in Tot's age group, you, you're going to need to go and collect them as well. But I just feel like, Holy Spirit, come, come, and, come and do some stuff in our hearts right now. Come and do some stuff in our hearts right now. I want you to see that you've, you've been raised to new life. You've been raised to be seated in a completely new position forever. And you've been created to walk, to talk, to live, to work like Jesus.
So if you feel so able, can I just ask you, if you know you just need a fresh touch of God, would you just lift up your hand into the air? Could be for anything. It could be for for healing. It could be for uh, empowering. It could be for a fresh commissioning. I feel there's a few things that just want to minister on the back of this word today. If you're with someone with their hand in the air, can you just place a hand on their shoulder right now? There's some folk at the back as well. Please, let's just be like family. Just look around. I feel to say this to you. You don't need to apologize for who you are. God has made you you. And he's created you to be super unique on the earth. So I just ask for just a fresh revelation of that. Right now. No more apologizing for being you. I pray where there's pain for peace to come. He's created you for good works. For good works. There were two specific areas that I felt to to go after, if you like. And that was for a fresh equipping and for a fresh commissioning. They are different. This is what I feel that Holy Spirit would remind you again of what he's called you to be and do. The unique shape that you are. That would come into your forefront of, the, of your mind again. And then this fresh commissioning by the Holy Spirit. So if you feel you're someone that just needs this fresh equipping, can you put up your hands right now? Just a reminder, nice and high, come on. We don't need to be ashamed. There is no shame here. Fresh equipping. Maybe you've called to be a pastor or a teacher or a lawyer or a bank manager or a lollipop lady, or a shop assistant, or a care assistant, or a nurse, that kind of thing. God has, God has called you to be and do something. Lift up your hand right now. So Heavenly Father, we just pray right now that there'd be this fresh equipping, that people would have a, a reminder in their hearts and minds now of who you've designed them to be. feel like the father would say have I not called you do you remember that day did I not speak to you have I not called you to be this and then lastly a fresh commissioning this could be all of us if you want a fresh touch of holy spirit just why don't you lift two hands into the air right now Holy Spirit. And as, as the children come in, do you know what? We are family here. So we pray, Holy Spirit, would you rest on our dear children? Would you call them and equip them from a young age? But right now, for, for everyone else, you might want to lay your hand on the person next to you. If you're just visiting and you don't want to do this, this is absolutely fine as well. But we just ask for a fresh outpouring of Holy Spirit. 
that commissions us to see, hey, wherever you go, he goes. All you need to do is walk into your communities and you carry the light and the love and the life of Jesus. So Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, we thank you for all the realities that you deposit into our hearts. And we just ask, Father, would you commission us? Would you freshly equip us? Would you remind us of our mandate that we've been raised to new life? We've been seated with this precious Jesus in heavenly places. We can live at rest from the throne. And that wherever we go, lives change because the kingdom of heaven goes with us. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. And we all said together, Amen. Hey, God bless you guys. Thank you so much, Ben. Thanks for being patient. Thank you. Hope you've had a a good morning. Have a blessed rest of day. And we'll see many of you during the week. God bless you.